This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today we'll be talking about what to do after a rain. Changes occur in desert soils and to plants growing in them when rains occur. All this and more on today's Desert Horticulture. There have been two significant rain events, rainfalls, in the Las Vegas Valley in February of this year. The rain was slow and it was even. It was a good rain for plants. But when water is applied to a desert soil, changes occur both structurally and chemically. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Our ability to detect some pretty nasty insects in plants occur around that time. And also mushrooms start to appear wherever we put wood chips on the soil. Let's talk about each one of those. If you have a desert soil that's been formed over hundreds or thousands of years, it becomes very stable when it stays dry. As long as it stays dry, that desert soil is very stable. But as soon as rainfall occurs on it, changes occur, both in the composition of that soil, the structure of the soil, and its chemical composition as well. If we take irrigation water and we apply that water on a regular basis, then those changes occur more rapidly. If an occasional rain occurs, like it does in the Mojave Desert periodically, it's no big deal. The desert soils dry out in a matter of days or even maybe a week or so, and it reverts back to where it was. But when we apply irrigation water on a regular basis over and over again, then these soils change structurally and they change chemically. If we were to take that soil, if we'd look at any soil under a wet environment, those soils are, of course, going to have more plants growing on them, so it's going to have more organic content in it. But not only that, that combination of organic and that flushing, that water added to the soil, changes that soil. You know, our soils in the Las Vegas Valley contain a lot of gypsum. If you go out to an, uh, uh, any kind of a native desert soil and you pick it up and you look at it in the full sun, in your palm of your hand, you'll see tiny little crystals shining like little tiny diamonds in the soil. And most likely those little crystals shining are gypsum crystals. Gypsum is relatively insoluble in water. It doesn't dissolve easily. But if we apply water over and over and over again, then gypsum will start to collapse. The gypsum in that soil, they're mining gypsum from these areas in the soil that are rich in it, and they are refining it to the point where they can, and then adding chemicals to it, so they can make gypsum wallboard. But gypsum in the soil, if it gets constantly wet over and over again, it will start to dissolve, and other chemicals as well. The first thing that we see when water hits the soil is we see a flushing of the salts that were in it. The minerals in the soil will decompose. There are a lot of different reasons why these minerals decompose. It could be from sunlight, it could be from wind, it could be from knocking themselves together, it could be from a lot of reasons, but as soon as water hits those minerals, then all of those minerals that were a dust before have the potential of dissolving in water and adding to the salinity of that water, the salt level of that water. 
So oftentimes in our desert soils, our raw desert soils that have never been under any kind of irrigation, we'll see a flush of salts that come out of that soil. When those salts flush out of that soil, there's a void and the soil has to collapse to some degree. When we get water over and over again and these minerals start to dissolve fairly rapidly because they've never seen water before, then some of these soils can start to collapse. And when these soils begin to collapse, then we can see instability in walls, foundations, all sorts of things. We call these things, well, the engineers have a term for it, in some of the soils that expand when they get water in it and then contract when the water starts, starts to disappear as expansion soils or shrink swell soils. Uh, usually there are certain types of clays in it, but also if there are certain types of minerals in it that can dissolve rapidly, we can see the dissolution of those soils. We can see the collapse of those soils under constant irrigation. The other thing that we see is a change in its chemical activity. Now, the minerals that were in that soil and the contents of those minerals have never been disrupted before by a lot of water in a raw desert soil. Now we're adding water, and that's very disruptive. It's very destabilizing. It will cause those soils to become unstable chemically. Physically, we talked about the collapse of those soils under walls and foundations, sidewalks. But when we start putting water on those soils, not only do we, do we start to flush out the salts that might be in that soil, and if we're using salty water anyway, maybe water that's from the Colorado River that contains a fair amount of salt in it anyway, and you're mixing that with maybe underground water from wells, then that water, irrigation water, carries salts in it as well from the Colorado. Where did that come from? ultimately from minerals inside the rocks, also from additional fertilizers that were applied upriver in the Colorado River. But that's a whole other topic that we can talk about sometime. But salts are surrounding us in desert environments, in the soils, potentially in the water, depending upon where the water comes from, and in some well water, the salt levels are fairly high. So it's important to get a grasp on what is the level of salts. Well, what's more important in desert soils is where you apply the water. I was just talking to someone the other day about um, some fruit trees that were planted close to their house, and she indicated to me that the fruit trees were planted less than three feet from the foundation. Well, that's too close. It should probably be somewhere around four or five feet away from the foundation. But regardless of that, when you live in a desert environment, Water is everything to these plants. Where you apply the water is where the roots will grow. Not only will it destabilize that soil until it, it, finally, it finally begins to stabilize because of the amount of water that is constantly applied to it, and eventually it starts to stabilize, but initially first, that raw desert soil is very unstable. We don't know what it's going to do. It just depends on its mineral content, on what's in that soil to begin with. So when we start to apply water, what I'll tell people to do is don't apply irrigation water close to a home, close to sidewalks, close to patios, close to any cement or steel object. Try to maintain at least three feet 
between where you're applying the water and the foundation of that home or the cement that's used to build that foundation or the patio or whatever it might be. But try to keep, try to apply water no closer than three feet to that. Now, if you've got a tree, a fruit tree that's three feet away, of course you're going to have to irrigate or water the, that tree at its base when it first gets started where that container was put into the ground. But where you apply the water, where those drip emitters, if that's what you're using, or if it's a basin, how you're constructing the basin around the base of that tree, will determine where the roots grow by where you apply the water. So as long as you're watering the base of that plant, <clears throat> that tree, and watering it away from cement areas, the roots are going to grow in that direction. All right. The second thing I want to talk about right after a rain is borer activity. Right now, we had some warm weather earlier in the month in February. Right now, it's the first part of March. We had some warm weather, which of course is going to start activating. Remember, insects are cold-blooded creatures. The more warmth we give them, the faster they move, the faster their processes. We're warm-blooded, so we create our own heat. But insects are cold-blooded. They don't. They have to rely on the sun, the warmth of the air, everything to get them warm. And once they begin to warm up, especially on that side of a tree, if it's a borer, for instance, uh, a worm from the borers that's inside the tree causing some damage, it's, gonna, it's going to eat faster inside that tree when the temperatures are warm and it's going to be eating much slower, processing its food much slower when the temperatures drop. So if we have borers present, and borers are those, those juvenile forms in our area, they're mostly beetles that, are, that form the borers, and the beetles fly around, they mate, and then the female lays eggs, usually close to sunburned areas on fruit trees. It doesn't have to be, but it can be in sunburned areas on fruit trees, at least they usually focus on the warm side of a tree to lay their eggs. That's on the south or west side or wherever a branch is exposed to full sun. They're going to pick those areas because that's warmth and that's where they can deposit their, their eggs. That's where the juveniles can begin to enter into the tree, begin feeding inside the tree, and the warmth of that outside air is going to keep them thriving. When it gets really warm out, they're going to be really eating fast. When it cools off, they're going to be eating much slower. So when during February, when there's potentially some rains, if it's been warm, those boring insects, those juveniles that are boring underneath the bark of that tree are feeding faster during warm weather. And then when it rains, they're still feeding. But when it's a nice slow rain, that water is penetrating the bark of that tree, making it soft. And guess what we see? Within about 12 hours after the rain starts, we'll start to see the oozing of sap. That's from the damaged areas created by those insects. So a great time to go looking for borer, potential borer problems in fruit trees like peach, like apricot and plum, is right after a rain. Now, if you don't have a rain, you can go out there and create your own rain by getting one of those hose-end 
washer bottles, the end of a garden hose, mix some uh, liquid detergent in it, some something like a soap, uh, into that water so and then spray the trunk repeatedly spray that trunk and get that water to begin to be absorbed by that by that uh, tree and that sap from the damaged areas created by the the boring insect will ooze from the trunk and when you touch it it's like a liquid jelly it's it's uh, it'll be very gelatinous when you touch it you'll see it in the trunk in those areas that were attacked but so what I'm telling you is this go out to your garden area after a rain the day after it rains and start looking for oozing on those trees that could get bore problems ornamental trees fruit trees whatever it might be look for it and if you see it you may not see or recognize the damage that was created because it could be fairly early on but you'll see the oozing because of the damage created inside the tree by that boring insect. Take a really sharp knife, sanitize it with alcohol, and hold it at about almost, almost parallel with that tree and cut through that area to see where that sap is coming from. And I am betting you, nine times out of ten, you're going to find that young worm, immature, creating havoc inside your tree. Once you do that, you can clean up that area with that sharp sanitized knife and then get rid of that, dispose of that boring insect, that juvenile, and then just clean up the area. And that's one way to stop it before it really gets to be a problem. Otherwise, you have to start using insecticides, drenches, soil drenches, like imidacloprid as a soil drench around it after after it's done flowering you can do this at a time before it's flowering or during when it's flowering it doesn't matter but otherwise using an insecticide like imidacloprid that has been suggested to be a potential problem with honeybees avoid applying it to the base of trees during the flowering period or just before the flowering period wait until flowering is done and then you could apply it but what i'm telling you is you can do it without using any chemicals at all just by going out after a rain. If you don't have a rain, then spray the trunk and limbs repeatedly with this soil, with this water and soapy mixture so that it penetrates inside the trunk. And you'll see the, that ooze coming out as well. Now this typically happens, this is a good time to do it in the spring. When, right about now, February, March time is a good time to be able to do that. I wouldn't do this during the heat of the summer, uh, not, not because you'll cause any damage, it's just I'm not sure what the results will, will be. But in this cooler weather like this that we have in the springtime, it'd be an excellent time to do that. The third thing I want to talk about is I've been a big proponent of using wood chips adding organics back to the soil again. And that's great, but just keep in mind that when you add organics back to the soil, whether it's laying wood chips on the surface or adding compost to the soil, you're going to stimulate biological activity in that soil. You're going to see earthworms start to appear where earthworms never appeared before. Wood chips on the surface, compost in the soil. You're going to see all of this biological activity. Where they came from, I haven't the slightest idea. All I can tell you is that in one of the places where I'm consulting 
And after we did a massive amount of fruit trees in that area and covered the soil with wood chips, six months later, I found a gardener digging under the wood chips into that soil that was being improved and removing earthworms from that area to put in her garden. And I, I didn't put the worms there. They just appeared. Of course, they didn't spontaneously generate from the water and the wood chips. But I will tell you this, that having that organic content in that soil will increase the biological activity of that soil. That's a good thing. But just keep in mind, not only are, will you see an increase in earthworms, not only will you see a, a, a change in the color of the soil from a light brown to a darker brown because of the organic content, but you're also going to see the growth of fungi and bacteria in that soil. Depending upon how much alkalinity is present, there'll be abundance of bacteria or fungi or both of them in different amounts. But you're going to see that growth of those fungi. And one of the results of those fungi, some of the fungi that are growing through that soil, their sexually, sexual reproduction, the way that they sexually reproduce, the way that they spread, one of theirs is to produce mushrooms. So you're going to see where wood chips are down. You're going to see, after a few days after a rain, the possibility of mushrooms. You may even see what we call puffballs, which are fleshy underground mushrooms that appear and then open up to spread their spores. Because when mushrooms appear, they're on a stalk. Typically, you know what the mushrooms are in the store. Very similar to that. I wouldn't go out and eat them or harvest them because we don't know what they are. But they do open up eventually in a day or two and begin to spread their spores everywhere so that they can reproduce in new locations. So if you don't like those mushrooms, you don't want them to spread around, then just destroy them with a rake as soon as they appear. Also, they have been known to cause uh, some vomiting in dogs, enough to for some pet owners to take their animals to a veterinarian and ask if it's going to be all right. And it doesn't kill them, typically, but it could make them sick. So the three things that I want you to be aware of when water is added to a desert soil are the physical and chemical changes that occur in that soil that can lead to the corrosion of cement or concrete, sidewalks, patios, driveways, whatever it might be, even foundations of home. And it can corrode steel that comes in contact with that soil. There can be chemical changes as well as physical changes. Some soils that were stable for a long time may collapse. Secondly, look for borer activity right after, right the day after it rains. Now, this isn't a rain that just occurs and is gone in 10 minutes later. We're talking about a rain that lasts a long time, that has plenty of time to soak in these trees and soften the tissues in it. And you will see if borers are active, you will see the expression of sap coming from limbs and the trunks of trees. Look at, in particular, newly planted stuff. Newly planted fruit trees, ornamental trees, shrubs that have been planted. Look for that evidence because it'll be a, like a jelly-like mass. So you'll go out after a rain, you'll see it. If you don't see it, if you've missed it, then go back and respray it with some water and with some soapy mixture mixed with it so it helps it penetrate inside the tree 
and it helps it uh, helps that that uh, damage that's occurring by the bores has a chance to express sap and you can see the sap on the outside. So you'll spray it down one day then come out the next day and check on it. Really soak it down. Make it real wet. You might want to use a sprayer. Some sort of hose end sprayer or a backpack sprayer or a compressed air sprayer. Whatever it might be. But spray it multiple times with soap and water. Soap and water and get it in there and then use a sharpened sanitized knife and get rid of that sucker that's in there because I will guarantee you that if you see that jelly-like sap coming from it it's either because of an insect or a disease problem and you'll find out real quick when you take that knife and you scrape away the outside of that bark on the outside of that tree you'll see real quickly whether it's an insect or a disease problem if you don't see anything going on then leave it alone the, the plant will heal itself. You don't have to worry about that. But uh, if, you, if it is an insect problem, you'll find the critter that's making the problems. Bore activity. Look for that. And the third thing is be aware. That's oftentimes after a rain occurs. You never see them in rock unless, unless there's dead roots underground where that's adding organics to that soil and they'll pop up from dead roots that are coming up through the rock. But seldom do you see them in rock. Most of the time when see mushrooms appearing, and it's a good thing, it's a biological thing, it's something that's showing that there's plenty of activity, then you'll see mushrooms starting to appear. Remember, just take your rake, rake them out if you don't want to, don't eat them, don't let your dogs eat them, but destroy them right there on the spot. It's a good thing. They're breaking down that wood and uh, organic material so it can become smaller and become available to other things that can feed on it. I hear that music. Time to go. Bye-bye. Learn more about desert horticulture on my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, extreme horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on desert horticulture. Google or search for Bob Morris on Eventbrite.